Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Action. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast number 400. 400. Kelvin Heimberg is here. That makes for an extra special night. I don't know if the 400 is actually that special, but glad we could be here. We're here in Emporia, Kansas, and we have an in-studio guest, the man, Kelvin Heimberg. Yeah, it's just like the second time I've been interviewing with you in the past, like, two weeks. That's true, but that was a different hotel in a different city with a different objective. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, just to place it for everybody, of course, we're here in Emporia, the DDO, the Dynamic Disc Open, taking place this week. Johnny V's back in the Milwaukee studio. I've got Calvin here. And Calvin, you just, well, we've got a lot of things to cover. We'll we'll try and put it all together here. Uh, For starters, congrats, of course, played very well. You took down Jonesboro. We'll talk about that, of course. But also, you literally just arrived moments ago from the Eagles crossing skins match eagles crossing right from the skins match now i know scott stokely made a post and i don't know who else is making posts out there right now is this is this something that's shareable are we spoiling anything if we tell people how things went or is that something we should probably hold off on i don't know i feel like it's probably better watched than it is just like told about here okay um that would say just we'll hold off on that and they can experience it themselves uh I want to say they're going to release the footage like next Tuesday. Oh, that's generally generally the skin stuff gets released the Tuesday after it's filmed. So okay, so I'm assuming it's next Tuesday. I would tune into GK Pro's channel and check it out there. Needless to say, a good time playing for an absurd amount of money. Yeah, I mean it was uh, pretty awesome getting to go out there for the first time. Um, I rolled in this morning and played it blind for the skins match, but mm. the property is 
beautiful. Um, I've never been to a course with so many like manufactured things as far as like just all the tee pads are built up. Like there's stairways down there are these huge rocks and there's grass in the woods. And I mean, it's still, the course isn't even like all the foliage isn't green yet. I mean, it still needs a few weeks, but even without that, the course was pretty sweet. Um, very challenging and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what kind of events get held there in the are future. Are they are they yeah, I've heard, are they concrete tee pads or turf tee pads? They're concrete tee pads um <laughs> and uh they're big. Okay. They're really big. You don't have to worry about like running up from off the pad. There's really nothing to worry about as far as the tee pads go. Like if you need more room than what you're given, you should probably be. You should probably reevaluate how you're you're throwing the hole. <laughs> so they're James Conrad approved. Are they Paul McBeth approved? Is there anything that might, if he can make one of those T pad shift, he can apply more force than anybody <laughs> on the planet into the ground. Okay, and I'll be the first to admit I have not watched. I know there was some stuff uh, posted last year, and the hype continues about this facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am I am excited. I don't watch a lot of post production, but the skins match is probably something I will watch. Uh, essentially, what you're saying though is all the hype around this course is warranted. It's yeah, I mean it's it's an incredible property. Um, it's challenging, and I mean. I, Granted, I've only had one run-through, um, but I think even with multiple run-throughs, there's still quite a few shots that are going to remain challenging. I don't think it's a course that um, people are going to go to and just like all of a sudden they figured out the key to it <laughs> and they're just going to always shoot double-digit under pars. I don't I don't really think that's possible. Um, the OB in some places is just, is just too tight. And then there's also like some choices you have to make as far as risk-reward go, whether or not you even really want to go for a hole or not. So... Um, I think there's some pretty good course design going on there. Um, I think they're fully graded. I need at least one more run through where I actually like, I'm not just playing an event. It's one where I could kind of sit down and analyze it a little more, but I really enjoyed being out there. As I said, the aesthetic is incredible. I know they're not even done doing what they want to do to the course, but in its current state, it's incredible. And it's not really like any other disc golf venue that we have currently. Is this a All disc right, golf venue like- that that would fit on the pro tour? Is this something that you could see, or is this more of like a unique? Uh, it just has too many quirks about it to be on the pro tour. Or what are your thoughts? No, I, I don't. I don't think the. It's not like quirky. Like it's not. It's not like gimmicky. There's nothing like crazy about it that makes it like a fluky results. It's um, it's just we. You don't really see anywhere like. Like to go down a hill, normally you just walk down the hill. But here there's literally these massive concrete or rock steps that are built. So like and all the the woods are seeded with grass. So like you have these magnificent stairways literally going down these hills. It just it it's aesthetically pleasing, basically. And then the tee pads, when I'm they're they're big, but they're kind of like built up off the ground. So I imagine they drain really well because there's not any water that's going to be flowing from the areas around it onto them because they're built up a little bit off the ground. Um, so I, I don't, I really don't think you're ever going to have any issues on those tee pads. I think they're literally designed to be, I mean, obviously if it's raining really hard, they're going to be wet, but they're not going to flood. So, so with all that, I know you needed at least one more run through, but does it instantly make a top 10 list for you? Top yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the top ten courses I've ever played. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean it's 
it's challenging, aesthetically pleasing, and enjoyable. So, is it really long? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say it, it's definitely long. It's not, it's not necessarily long in the sense of you need to like crush it on every hole. But par, I, I think they told me par was seventy. So just by that nature, you know, the course is going to be longer. Um, but there's a there's a mix of of holes. There's definitely some shots where you can open up on that are more like open and kind of remind you of like holes at Fox Run where they're kind of lined with white stakes on both sides. And then there's uh, holes that are wooded the whole way. There's like wooded par fives where landing zones are small. And if you're not in it, you're going to be scrambling and you're going to have to make some choices as to whether or not you want to get aggressive or not because there is also OB tight on on both sides of the fairway. So you kind of have to play golf sometimes. Wow. All right. Well, it definitely sounds exciting. Make sure you guys check that out. GK Pro. Did you hear to quickly side to, to sidetrack yet again? Did you hear of the other news today that took place here in in uh, Emporia? And it's pretty big news and it involves pretty big money. No, nope, I have no clue what you're talking about. Johnny, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you hear it? I absolutely do. And I had some questions about that. So for those of you that don't know what's going on, um, the Eric hole, uh, which is hole 16, early recognition is critical, out mm-hmm. here at least, um, got aced by Matt Bell for a total of $25,000. So, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Kevin or Terry, do you know any details about how this works? Is it a pay to throw? Is it a is it an entire round? Um, how, how do you qualify? Because I know there were a, gr- a bunch of people behind him waiting to throw. And I heard rumblings of it splitting if somebody else were to hit it. But do you know the rules or any sort of anything behind this? Yeah, I actually think I read about it in an email. I think you had to be a competitor to throw, and I do think it was just today. So I think you had to throw. They had like a time frame set up to where they had people there. I'm sure it was like filmed or whatnot. And mm-hmm. um just to like verify, I'm I'm assuming that Eric didn't just put up twenty five thousand. I'm sure there was just an insurance policy they pulled on the shot, but um, yeah, that's awesome that someone hit it. That's pretty awesome. I I'm looking forward to see the seeing the video. I'm sure there is video, and that's that's sweet. That's awesome for Matt Bell. But uh, yeah, I missed out on that opportunity today. Yeah, I believe. Uh, the the I believe the first place I saw it was possibly Jordan Castro. Uh, and I don't know if he just shared it or if he had actually recorded it, but the the one version I did see was from someone's phone. It appeared, okay. and I'm I'm hoping or guessing somebody else has it on a on a even a high higher quality. As you're saying, you know, insurance reasons, everything else. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen throws like throw off stuff like this before, and there's almost almost always an insurance policy pulled. So like literally, there's probably two cameras at least, and you have to like state your name and what you're throwing before you throw it. And um, yeah, cause the insurance company has to kind of make sure it actually happened because they're about to have to shell out a lot of money. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I, of course you'd have to be ecstatic about it. And then you start racing and thinking like, is that the most, is that the most we've ever seen one on a shot? And I don't know that any more than that's ever been won. I think about, I know in Texas, they ran a whole bunch of $25,000 aces. I, even in, heck, to really date ourselves, 2001 Worlds, not 2001, 2002 Worlds in Houston, we had an opportunity when, was it fifty grand or was it 25000 
whatever it was. Nobody yeah. had it. <laughs> no, yeah, nobody um, got it. Yeah, at the Worlds. But, yeah, that's crazy. 20. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, nice nice work, Matt Bell. And it's so, is there any irony? Everybody always thinks of him as this incredible putter, and that's how we always reference him. And then instead he uh, throws in an A. It's not that 316's like. I mean, he knew. I mean, it was there. That's what he was there to do, and he did it. So now, from what you remember, you said it. Everyone essentially just got to go out there and get one shot at it. Yeah, I think it was okay. just one shot. If you're a competitor, you could come in at a certain time frame and throw your shot, and if you hit it, you know, like Matt, you get a big payday. All right. Well, congratulations, Matt Bell. Johnny, do you have that? Is that handy anywhere? Do you see I, that? Well, if you I find don't, it, you can pull right it up. Now. Yeah. It's definitely going around the internet, let's put it that way. And that's also in addition, um uh I, I forget his name, the gentleman from Norway, I think aced it yesterday in practice. And I know that's been kind of cycling around social media, but sounds like a day early. Sounds like he missed out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get to the meat and the potatoes, which is this last weekend, Jonesboro Open. It's it's maybe You've had more success there. Of course, you've won there in the past. But that course, where does that course rank for you in terms of the challenge that it presents to you? Um, for me, I don't, I don't go to Jonesboro and think of challenging. Challenging is not the word I describe really with Jonesboro. Um, I think it kind of plays out well for me, and that might be part of the reason why. Um, I feel like all the holes are very attackable for me and I'm not really scared of any hole out there. And this year the wind was a little more up than maybe the past couple of years. Um, but even with that, I still felt like it was all always pretty attackable. And um, I definitely felt like I played a little sloppier there this year than I have in the past couple of years. But that might have just been due to the wind. And maybe those feelings are just because of the wind and and whatnot, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think challenging is a word I really associate with that course. <laughs> Which is funny because um, most people that throw, we'll say three to four hundred, wouldn't enjoy that nearly as much. I mean, there's just landing zones and birdie opportunities that aren't quite nearly as abundant. Yeah, when you when you're in, we'll say an average player out there. Yeah, distance is definitely needed at Jonesboro. It's still a long course, but um, if you can throw far enough, um, it definitely opens up a ton of opportunities. Um, as I said, this year was a little bit windier, I think, than the past couple years. So, so you definitely needed that distance to be able to throw like an overstable discard and kind of push through it and mitigate the effects of the wind. Was there any hole that played particularly tough out there for the weekend where you you walk away and you're like, man, I don't believe I did blank all three rounds or two out of three rounds I did this on this hole is there any hole that sticks out yeah hole six I played that little island hole very poorly oh. even par on the weekend which that hole's right there it's like literally <laughs> sitting there right in front of you there's uh-huh. no gimmicks to it and I did not perform as well as I would have liked on that hole. What? What? Uh, how did you arrive at even birdie bogey and a par or what did you do yep yeah I uh I parted at the first round, birdied at the second round, and bogeyed at the final round. Okay. So a little bit of everything, smorgasbord, <laughs> you know. I, I was never satisfied with, you know, what I got, so I just changed it up every round. 
uh, and it certainly is worth discussing because it was a, a very contentious point within the round. Uh, contentious maybe is is overstating it, but a dramatic point within the round was the hole before. Hole five. Hole number five. You know, it's already a pretty tough hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like you guys really have to decide if you're going for it and then hitting the line and getting there and not coming up short and yeah. everything else. What was the what was the reaction on the tee when Paul had hit just below the basket and it rolled out? Do do you recall anyone reacting abnormally? Um I don't I can't really recall what the reactions were on the card. I mean it was obviously the worst break I've ever seen on that hole. Okay. Um, he threw it perfect. Like I don't like you you draw it up that way. He literally threw like a wasn't even a distance driver. I think it was some might have been his onyx. He threw like a fairway driver and he threw it perfectly out to the right and straight and it it hyzered in just the way you imagine it <laughs> and it just like hit whatever four or five feet right of it had a little skip into the the advertising bucket they had beneath it and had the worst reaction you could imagine and um yeah the way that that whole plays is if you go out of bounds off the tee you have to go to the drop zone and the drop zone is basically an instant instant bogey so um it looks like johnny here on the spot's got it queued up for us man Mm. are you licensed to use this footage we I are. actually am. <laughs> uh, um, it was part of our I, almost I'm contract. Thinking, I'm going to listen closely to to hear if I hear you snickering or not. I don't think you I definitely snickered. laughed. Oh my god, that's the worst! <laughs> I'm laughing now. That's the worst reaction possible. <laughs> Alden looked disgusted. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I just, I mean, like you were saying, to throw a nearly perfect shot to get punished in that way is crazy. So what was the conversation as you guys were walking down? Because we, on the live broadcast, we heard some of it. And so we didn't really know, was Paul talking with you or Jeff Spring or others? What was what was the Probably conversation? Probably just a little bit of everything. It was just an open conversation. Um, so you can really, without the way our rules are laid out you have to have a waiver um in order to force someone to a drop zone unless it's like an island hole Mm -hmm. so like that where the basket is isn't actually an island the ob it's actually the ob ends in the woods it's actually kind of like a peninsula over there okay you might think that like since there's that little creek that it would just go all the way into infinity and there's basically an island and you're on a different piece of land to throw but it actually closes off and you could play way deep through the woods and (laughs) and be perfectly fine um so yeah he it was really the conversation was just does the event have the waiver and if they if they don't he would have been able to take it up by the basket and since they did he had to take it from the drop zone but we weren't sure at the time that was the question because there had been some some rules issues on another hole during the weekend um so paul was basically he knew that, so he was just making sure that the rules were being played properly on hole five as well and that all the proper paperwork had been done because <laughs> it's a stroke. It's a stroke difference. Correct. And and being concerned seems reasonable. It, it definitely can come across as a little bit um, challenging and or, uh, for lack of a better term, it seems like it come across come across as passive aggressive or petty even just because we're in round three. Like yeah. if there were a problem and if there was, 
And this was, I mean, it's been played this way literally hundreds of times by hundreds of people prior to yeah. that. But you're saying there was maybe some uncertainty about how it got played, hence why he that's why he would ask? I, I think it's more of you've probably never seen the whole play the way he played it. Like no one no one's ever come in, hit the basket and rolled OB. Almost sure. every shot that ends up OB is pulled right sure. or it comes in short and it just hyzers into that little OB area. And at that point, like it's almost the same result as going to the drop zone. So no one's ever really questioned it. Okay. But I, I think it's just one of those things where um he had the worst break he could possibly get on the hole. And he knew that there were some rules issues on other holes earlier in the week. And it's just something he, he thought of because of the way that hole was playing, because it's a similar issue that came up on, on 16 is the hole I'm talking about. But there was rules issues on that hole earlier in the week. Sure. And um, it caused rulings to be played way different than anyone's ever played the hole in the past. So it was just, I think it was just making sure because like, it could have saved him a stroke and that would have been the difference or it yeah. could have been. I mean, honestly, a lot of things change, you know, whether, I mean, we're on hole five of 18 holes. So like there's a lot of stuff that changes throughout the entire course of a round. I mean, Paul could have just run away with it. It's possible. Anything could have happened. Yeah. Alden could have won. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, who would think that way back on hole four or five during a tournament later, 18 or 14 holes, it would affect that. Okay. never mind. I'll, I'll quit referencing the weekend before. So yeah. And, and, and I called it on the broadcast at that point, you could see he was uh, upset, upset and frustrated. Of course, that's terrible luck. And then he goes to the next hole. If I recall, he just flat out shanked it. If I recall. Yeah. yeah he threw a, Pretty bad forehand. Yeah, and and then I think I had said at that point it felt just felt like he was on full tilt. And sometimes mm-hmm. we've seen Paul sometimes where he gets mad and he's just stepping up and then is jamming everything. And sometimes it's like the way he internalizes it and then yeah. outwardly goes out and then starts destroying the course. Sometimes mm-hmm. that works for him. Um, it just it clearly changed the entire dynamic of the round and of the card and and ultimately of the day is what it felt like. But yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. We also don't know, as you're saying, what that really means for the rest of the round. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, his mentality probably changed a little bit. He was definitely frustrated. I think anyone would be frustrated in that situation. Um, I mean, especially, yeah, I mean, it was, it was that awful luck after not getting a birdie on the whole prior where he had a really good drive. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. the... Yeah, I mean, he just kind of – I don't know if he shorted his approach on, on four or if it rolled. I don't I don't actually know how it ended up, where it ended up. But um, he was in prime position on four to go four for four, didn't get four for four, and then he probably should have been four through five, and then all of a sudden he's two through five. So yeah. it's like um, – I don't know. It's like very small differences made quite a bit of difference for his round. Yeah, and then I was thinking as we went, you guys, we, <laughs> I was there with you. Uh, as you guys went into the playoff, you look at what happened on holes one, two, and three, which we knew mm-hmm. were the first ones for the playoff. Yeah. And the fact, you know, just looking back to him going birdie, 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 you had part all of those. I mean, clearly you're, when there's 18 holes, you realize there's always more holes to go if you start out a little bit slow, mm-hmm. but you're also talking about some of the best players in the world or the rest of the best players in the world all 
breathing down your neck at that point. Yeah. What does that feel like? I don't know. It's not too bad anymore. We do it all the time. <laughs> um, I, I think in the field that we had at Jonesboro and how close, no one was, had really been shredding the course. So, like, it was super tight. And um, I think everyone knew that if they went out and shot a hot round, they, they could win the event. Like, mm-hmm. anyone on the first, like, two, even someone on third card could have could have won last weekend, realistically, because, like, no one was really scorching the course like we had seen in the past. Um, and the course really wasn't that different. It was definitely a little windier, but... but uh, yeah, the rounds just weren't weren't as hot, so there was the scores were super bunched, and it ended up making for a really exciting finish for uh, for the viewers. I mean, there was three of us tied going into the last hole, but um, I, I think it's a little different when there's only a couple people in the race. But yeah, that tournament there was a lot of people in the race. There was, and and speak a little bit to. You know, KJ getting hot, having the throw in on 12. And then it seems like he just, he just got on fire there for a couple of holes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, he threw it in on, uh, I guess it was 12. 12. Yep. Um, which we didn't even know. Like we, we heard, but like we didn't know. And then none of the gallery was up there either. So it took <laughs> one of the commentators, I think it was Perkins up there saying it was in. And then uh-huh. Kevin reacted and the crowd went wild. But, uh, no, that was, that was cool. That was, it was crazy though. I mean, it's a blind shot. Um, it's just one of those things where you just happen to blindly throw it in the exact right spot. Um, I did. I did see the video. I, I think he still would have been in circle one, probably even if it missed. Like it wasn't coming in that hot, so I think it was just like pretty perfect throw. Um, and then after after that, he parred. He parred thirteen, but he made circle two putts on fourteen and fifteen, which um, at that point, like those were both like elevated putts from circle two and when you see people making those kind of putts like both of those shots weren't like great or anything those t shots but when someone's making putts from there they kind of seem unbeatable especially when there's three holes left Mm -hmm. and you're two back paul's three back um so yeah i mean kevin was definitely in the driver's seat it definitely wasn't looking great but we do have the equable 16th ahead of us and um Paul and I were able to capitalize on that. Kevin got in a little bit of trouble and uh, made things much tighter with two to go. Yeah, and I think that was one of the biggest takeaways is we're thinking all the momentum in the world is uh, is Kevin. I mean, he's driving that bus, yeah. I think is what I said. And then you guys get to 16 and he just, I don't want to say the unthinkable happens, but just like, holy cow, things got just so much tighter. And, and yeah. you know, Perkins was over there looking at Paul's spot and he reported back to the live to us in live he's like i'm standing on paul's lie he's got nothing like this is he's got nothing and that's how we all reported it perkins lied over there (laughs) plays around a little bit and then uh and then what i mean this ridiculous shot yeah i mean i wasn't really focused on paul at all Mm -hmm. honestly for whatever reason i had even forgotten that he was still right there um honestly the ultimate flex oh yeah this this paul guy no like i just somehow somehow i mean like i i knew i knew i was tied with kevin going into into 14 i took the bogey he took the birdie and i just think that just like took all my focus and like i just completely forgot that paul was still playing good and and yeah i had no clue paul was tied with us until 
when I got up to well, he birdied 17, but I I didn't know he was tied as well until we got up to the 18th. I went and looked at the scoreboard, and I was like, "Oh, there's three of us tied." I was like, "That's cool," but but uh, yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, and then obviously, you know, and it's funny. I saw Joey's reaction live myself, and then that's been turned into a, a meme or and mm-hmm. a, and a gif and everything. But stepping up to 18 and what what was going through your mind clearly you just realized you were uh tied but were you thinking like hey i'm out of any form of playoff if i don't at least birdie this is is that yeah i mean you got three of the best players in the world going into 18 and someone's gonna birdie it like one of the three of us is definitely gonna birdie it we like i had already seen paul throw even before paul threw like i knew i'm I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no safe play. I'm not I don't know. I feel like it would be awful to like play for par and then lose to a birdie. That'd be like I just strategically played myself out of it. So yeah. so I knew I was going for it. I already knew what I was going to throw regardless of Paul's shot. Um but once he threw his tee shot, I mean it was I mean I I knew I needed to put a good shot out there because he was in position to get the birdie. And as soon as he threw a shot, I'm sure that's what Kevin's thinking too. I need to get a birdie as well. So, and when you say going for it, though, I mean, if you weren't going for it, how would you throw this shot any differently? I mean, I feel like is it is it all one in the same or no? I wouldn't have if I if I'm playing this hole for par. I take a fairway driver and I literally throw it straight down the hill towards like that first stake out of the ground, and then I'm going to take like a driver that I'm going to forehand towards the left gap to try to skip out. Like I'm basically throwing an overstable forehand at the left side, skipping okay. back out into the open and then pitching up. Okay. So it is a very different play. Yeah. It's a different play. It's, it's how I played the whole two years ago when okay. I had a two stroke lead going into 18. Okay. So I, I throw to the bottom of the hill, I throw my forehand out and then I pitch over to the basket. That's the play for par. If I want to go for birdie, I'd just send a distance driver. <laughs> uh, Dana, Dana might, one of our regular contributors, he found it interesting that in your interview with Nate, I believe, as you broke down 18, just like you did now, you said distance driver. Yeah. Is that somewhere in the back of your head to, to name or not name disc? Is it just not clearly important to you or is it, is it, yeah, is it how you talk to – is it the fan? Like, what – why is that? I don't know. I've never really thought about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I threw a Star Destroyer. It was like a 2020 Okay, quit with the ads. God, See, stop. exactly. No, I'm calling that. But, <laughs> no, but I'm like, kidding. I don't know. I just – regardless of what it is, like, I, I mean, anyone can relate when I say distance driver. They know it's a fast disc. I yeah. mean, someone – I mean, I guess anyone on this podcast probably knows what a Destroyer it is. It's like – one of the most well-known popular Mm -hmm. distance drivers on the market. So I don't know. I guess I've just always kind of like vaguely described my disc just to give an idea of the speed because some people might not know what you're talking about. But if you say fairway driver, they're like, oh, okay, it's something that goes far, but it's controllable. And let me be very clear. I appreciate it. I love it. I I think that's, uh, you know, I think I've already gone off on this rant a hundred other times. I just naming the disc means means even less because you might carry five destroyers that have Mm -hmm. various levels of of how worn in or how beat they are so when you say your destroyer or a run from year to year might be totally different so you say destroyer and you know somebody that bought a kelvin heimberg halo destroyer last week that might fly very different than the one they bought three years ago 
or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, for one, really appreciate it. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it by any means. It was just, it was something that Dana observed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you what it is if you really want to know. No, I don't care. It's just, it was a fast disc. <laughs> Wide rim. <laughs> I mean, right off those drives, we we essentially knew that Paul and you could be then in position to yeah. possibly get the birdie. and the, Kevin's fate was kind of sealed. Yeah, Kevin did not get a clean drive off, kind of pulled it over there into the, the left side trees and kicks, but he was just so short. It was his real only hope was throwing himself somewhere into position where he could possibly throw it in. Um, so yeah, I'm not exactly sure on his second shot what he was trying to do. He did throw a distance driver pretty hard. I don't know exactly how far he was trying to get up there, but he had like awful footing too. He was like jumping over a creek and then planting on like a down slope or something. <laughs> sure. Like he had some crazy run up. So um, yeah, I mean, after the tee shots, I pretty much knew it was me and Paul or whatnot but um yeah I, I knew i had an easier shot than him though i mean i was past a little red stake yeah, the and, 250 marker yeah yeah i've thrown shots from up there before so like i know that you're just looking at the basket he was gonna have to throw a little bit more technical of a shot still a hyzer but like if you pull it a little right you get caught by a tree you saw it off a little you get caught early and that other stuff so still had, you still had to hit a gap i had no gap to hit <laughs> yeah i mean i could get up and down nine out of ten times from where you were well, that's good for you. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so then, of course, uh, well, you go a little bit deep. I mean, was that 18 feet, 20 feet? Yeah, I, I think that's fair and estimate. Explain, knowing that Paul's parked, you're, he's for obviously, he's almost arm's reach, reach uh, mm -hmm. putting it in. Yeah. You know this is to go into a playoff. On a scale of one to ten, how many? How much? How many nerves do you have? Like, how nervous are you? One to ten. I don't think I was that nervous on that putt. I feel like I don't know what ten being the most. Ten being like <laughs> maybe you're... like a four because okay. like I, I didn't that putt didn't seem like a problem. No, I don't know. I, I'm like not it, suggesting it was, it was but... If it was maybe like six feet farther, I think it maybe goes up to like a 6.8. Okay. But like it was... I was like 20 feet or in. I, I, I don't feel like I was going to... I just didn't feel like I was going to miss it. I mean, I had missed like one putt I felt like I should have made the entire day and it was farther away and uphill. Like that was like... Like as flat and open of a putt as you could ever ask for from 18 feet. So, and again, I think we just take for granted that most of you guys are automatic from inside the circle and roughly, you know, circles edge and in. Yeah. It feels like you are automatic and most of you are. However, you add into the fact that yes, this this is absolutely you miss that and you lose the whole tournament. You played 53 it's holes of golf. It's embarrassing. I I don't know. I mean, there's wind. Hey, it, it's been what was that was like calm as far as the day went. Sure. Like there was plenty of times where it was gusting way worse. Like that honestly just seemed like one of the easier putts I had the during. I the wouldn't. Day because, I wouldn't like, say. I wouldn't say it would be embarrassing to to miss that putt, but I would no, say that would. people people would call you people would say you choked. 
I think that's... It would be embarrassing. From where I threw the tee shot to not get a birdie, it would be embarrassing. You're you're right. I mean, with that tee shot... With the tee shot, it's embarrassing embarrassing. to not get the birdie. But any given hole, that particular distance with that particular wind... I don't think that's an embarrassing putt to mit, to mit, to miss, but you are right with your particular drive <laughs> added into that. I could easily see how you would be embarrassed right, well, to miss that birdie. <laughs> it would have been embarrassing for me. if I, had it. I would have been embarrassed. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Now there's been a couple of playoffs and then we hear about various rules, which is really interesting to me. Uh, what exactly is the rule for playoffs now? Because I feel like they've been slightly altered and officially designated here in the last year. Yeah, so uh, we basically just drew numbers out of a hat. Um, there was just a one and a two, and I guess Paul got a draw because he had the hot round. But okay. regardless, Paul drew, there was just a one and a two, and whatever was picked by Paul was the place in the order that he okay. was going to tee. Um, so he drew one, so he got a T first, which I think he wanted regardless. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think he was just volunteering for that regardless. <laughs> and, um, normally in the past, that's what he would have gotten just because he had shot had the, the hot round. Correct. But yep. now how it works is after that, and you have your order on the first hole, if you were to push the first hole, the order flips. Yeah. And so like Paul would have had the odd holes and I would have had the even holes. So I would have teed off first on hole two. Um, he would have teed first on hole three, you know. Correct, so. and that's it's largely what I was alluding to. Is it yeah. used to be uh, often it was then decided by hot round, and then hot round goes first on hole one, and then the if you guys continue to push, then it's always that same person. Mm-hmm. And now it's been actually designated to alternate. Um, yeah, but it's interesting that the first tee itself is also just random. So, yeah. Hmm. it's random i don't know i think it's i would choose to go first every time in that situation too interesting why i think if you're confident in your abilities you want to go first because you can apply pressure to the person behind you if you feel good about throwing a good shot and you execute a good shot now all there's so much more pressure on that person behind you because they already know they know they have to sure Whereas, as opposed to where Paul didn't throw a great shot, and all of a sudden there was no pressure. Like I, I knew Par was going to take me to the next hole. Sure. Okay. So, so like I almost had no pressure on that first that first playoff hole because he had played himself out of birdie. Okay. What were you thinking when that when this? Uh, well, here you are throwing, but I was going to say, what were you thinking when Paul threw? Here, we're going to take um, a look at you throwing first. Well, you threw second, but... I threw second, yeah. But we're going to watch it first. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a distance driver, and yeah. that's laced. I mean... Yeah, it's about as good as you can do it. I would take that every time. Do you... How much <laughs> do you enjoy watching that shot? Yeah, that's a sweet shot. <laughs> like, uh, I'm just really glad I didn't have to putt, you know? <laughs> I mean... Uh, so we'll, we'll take let him watch it again. I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's watch it again. No, yeah, can you draw it up any better than that? Terry? No, I mean, I remember watching it live and just like, okay, well, yeah, that's it. That is outside of a miracle shot, and we didn't know exactly how Paul's. I'll, I'll, be, yeah. I'll admit, I thought Paul's was worse yeah. than it actually was because I think about where you were 
during the round, and you were way you were way off to the left, correct? Yeah, I threw a worse. Yours shot Yours was home. way worse. Well, I threw a worse shot than him, <laughs> so I had a worse result. Okay, well, that doesn't always happen. Uh, you know, number well, five, for instance. Um, that's true. That's true. So, um, yeah, and of course he he would have had to throw it in. Now, as you guys walked away, I think we could even see it there. He turned to you and he said, "Nice shot." It looked like I. I honestly don't remember. I was in a different like. Don't talk to me. I mean, (laughs) no, it wasn't anything with that. I think I was just still taking in the fact that I just parked it. Like I don't, I don't. Honestly, I don't remember him saying something. He probably did. It definitely looks like he did, but I don't. I don't have memory of what he said. Yeah, well, I could have said something mean to me for all I know. (laughs) Lucky bastard or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would have been um, when he threw his shot. What was his immediate reaction? Um, yeah, you could see he was obviously frustrated. I mean, I was kind of zoned in my own place. I didn't actually like really intently watch his tee shot. Like I was kind of zoned out. But he definitely had like an immediate reaction where he was upset with something. Um, he actually did say something about the tee pad while I was walking up. Um, he, I'm pretty sure he said something to me. And um, I didn't really pay much attention to it because mm-hmm. you, you had your know. own business. I to had take my care own of. stuff to deal with, and uh, honestly, tee pads don't normally affect me quite as much because the bottom of my shoes are almost treadless, and <laughs> everyone else has these like aggressive <laughs> treads. So, so yeah, I mean, from like if you watch the footage of him, like you the turf does come loose and it does sure. it does definitely buckle like you can literally see it go from like flat to uh bunched up bunched up so something definitely happened um he definitely thinks it affected his shot and it probably did i mean yeah like when your footing gets messed up like it's really hard to throw a good shot um and that's four. 485 470 something like that i think the hole is 470 yeah the, the hole's like the hole's 470 but it kind of requires like a pretty much a line drive. You can't just like throw a big hyzer. There's trees on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to throw relatively straight or kind of have to draw it from left to right and uh, turn it into their, the green a little bit. Um, it always seems like it plays a little farther than 470. I don't know. Um, I think it just might be because the, the right side's not open and you kind of have to throw it a little straighter and and there's always seems to be a little bit of wind coming at you on the on the tee as well yeah a little bit of a headwind there um not a you know and this isn't obviously a bash on paul but the segment at all but not not his best effort on the approach i mean he came up short which is like literally the one thing you can't do if you're when you're parked yeah i mean did you did you get what was the let me rephrase it then what probability did you give him of possibly throwing it in once you saw where he was at? Were you thinking, oh, there's a 10% chance of this going in yet or not? No, so I still think it's lower than 10%. Okay. Like, could Paul do it? Yeah. Anyone, anyone could still have thrown it in from sure. there. Like he was able to, like he had a clean line. Mm-hmm. So like anyone could have thrown it in. Um, But like the odds with the wind kind of coming down the hill, there was like a little bit of a ceiling you had to deal with, but um. It, it the odds are still low. You have to, you're basically having to throw something pretty hard at the basket, which means you're going to have to center it up. Like anything yeah. off to the side a little isn't <laughs> isn't going to stick. So it would have required a perfect shot, and 
that's just really hard to do. Yeah, I mean, you already used, uh, if anyone was going to use a perfect shot on that hole, you already exhausted it. You're like, hey, I, I got this. I'll do I, it on the drive. Yeah, I, I took it. a better a, time. I, I took it. Um, <laughs> you took the perfect shot potion, mm-hmm. and uh, it was all yours. Yeah. So like you said, that is kind of one of your larger, more significant wins that you've picked up in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's like the first stroke play win I've had since Jonesboro at the end of 2020 when it got postponed to Mm -hmm. the end of the year in 2020. Um, I won match play last year. I won a silver series last year. I tied for the win at Ledgestone, but Mm -hmm. that, like, doesn't even count. But I got the trophy. Yeah. How did uh, oh did Rick leave? Is that what happened, or did you guys? No, no, we played off for it. We played off for it at uh at Idlewild. Okay. Um, originally it was just supposed to be whoever did better at the the tournament, uh-huh. but we actually ended up doing. We played a round. It's filmed on Gatekeeper's channel. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, and I I beat Rick in that round. So how many did you beat him by? I think just like one or two, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think. I don't know. I had so many strokes after the front nine, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So you you uh, you took home the trophy there. Yeah. The, you, Go ahead, Johnny. In the interview, you. I mean, I think a lot of people noticed in you know this particular close up shot that you you look maybe a little more emotional than we've seen you in the past. Would you yeah, probably would you characterize I mean, that as true? I mean, you obviously you just won a big event and you're, you're pretty well known for being stone-faced we'll say that's mm-hmm. uh that's what a lot of people have judged you as uh did did this event mean more than other elite series wins uh yeah i i think i think so i don't know this one probably felt better than than anything else i've i've won in the past just because it it's been a while uh it's it's just been a while where yeah, I've had to come down the stretch and and win. I don't know. And I've just seen other people win so many times <laughs> in the past year and a half. So, And you've um, been near the top. Like, you've had your... Yeah, that's I, why I, I've had to watch it. That's, I know. You've, that's you've, the problem. You've had yeah, the opportunity. He's on the lead card with, <laughs> yeah. the, lead card with the uh with Well, I mean, you could, be like, you could be like else. Zach Melton, get done way early and hang out with somebody who wins. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I could be, but instead I just like put myself there all the time and I just, I hadn't really closed the deal in a while. So, um, or at least not at an event of that magnitude. So, um, cause really in the, at, at the end, I don't know. It's like, those are kind of the events I'm, I'm here to play and I do care about it. It's like the elite series events and the majors. Like those are what I'm really playing to win. Everything else is that I play. It's either because I want to see some friends there or like I'm just trying to fill a little bit of time, but like it's not that I'm bored. It's just like, like your local A tier. It's like, I'm if I'm playing it, it's like, cause I'm seeing some friends there or I really enjoy the course at this point. Like it's not, I play enough disc golf throughout the year to where those aren't really the big events for me anymore. And they're, they're just more laid back and I don't really take them as serious. And, they're just more fun. I even I kind of categorize the silver series in the same mm-hmm. light because they just to me they don't they don't feel the same. And regardless of if every single good player is still there, the stakes are different. Like it's not we're not playing for the same title. I don't know. Even if the field's the same, the stakes are different, so it just feels different. Yeah, no, I mean that makes sense. You're 
the ones you gear up for most are our biggest tournaments. And those are the ones that you want and you need and everything else for lack of a better term is filler for one mm-hmm. reason or another. And and that does make perfect sense. Um, with, so, so who hands Madison Walker, her pink slip? I mean, she's walked with you multiple times. You haven't won. Melton shows up. Suddenly you're winning elite mm-hmm. series events. Does Zach just deliver that know. to her and say, you can't, you know, you can't follow Vinny yeah, anymore. She, or? she get fired. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Zach's the only one that could deliver that. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, and I this you would think I would know this, but I don't. Off the top of my head, was that way back in 2019? You opened and closed LVC and Hall of Fame. Was that? No, that was was that? Yeah, 2019? that's 2019. 2019, wow. I I won LVC and Hall and then of you, Fame. Yeah, because you, you opened and you closed the NT that mm-hmm. year. Yep. And it's it's honestly, I mean, I guess when you say it's been a little while and I'm thinking about when it was, I feel like that was just like last year or maybe not last yeah. year, but definitely doesn't feel like three years ago. Yeah. So you, I mean, I've you've won, been losing I've won, more than you've been winning. I've, well, that's everybody on tour. Um, every No, no one has a winning record on tour. Like, like when you actually look at tour events, uh-huh. nobody has a winning record. Like, okay. like maybe Dickerson does, but that's because he goes and plays a bunch of other smaller events yeah, that yeah. he wins every single one of. Uh-huh. So his win percent might be above 50, but that's not his win percentage on tour. True. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was 2019, 2020. Wow. I got a couple pro tours. Yep. Okay. Yep. I got Memorial and Jonesboro. Yep. And then okay. 2021. I got the fake one at Ledgestone and match play, which is yeah. just a different format. It didn't really feel the same. Like the whole, sure. I don't know. I think it might just be because we don't really ever play match play, but it just didn't feel the same. Um, you got the All Star event too, buddy. Right? Okay that that definitely doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I mean. Uh, fun and big you know decent paycheck so i guess i mean i'll say this the all-star event was a great finish i mean it 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 felt exciting i know obviously in the hindsight Mm -hmm. you look at it and kind of shrug your shoulders and roll your eyes at it but i mean with the what eagle had done and what you had done like that that felt like an exciting event to finish up yeah yeah no it was i think the ending was exciting and it probably was fun to watch but as far as like me and 20 years looking back at (laughs) <laughs> what I've accomplished in disc golf, I don't think that event comes up. Uh, so I guess the trend has almost been a little bit of bookending. You know, you, you, you did that in 2019, opened LVC, closed out, you know, almost at the end of the year with the Hall of Fame. 2020, you got Memorial at the beginning of the year, and then we had Jonesboro at the very end mm-hmm. of the year. Another bookend scenario. Yeah. Last year... Like I you failed. said, you had I you, you got it. you didn't open a book. Mm-mm. Forgot how to read. <laughs> you forgot how to read, so to speak. Um, so yeah, book ending or maybe a little more consistency throughout. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I hope I get more <laughs> wins. I mean, that's obviously what? what I'm out here trying to do. But I mean, every week is super competitive, as you can see, and like it really doesn't. I mean, it's like one bad kick can really be the difference. Um, so like it's, I, I'm putting myself up there and giving myself the chance all the time. So that's really all I can can truly ask for. And uh, as long as I keep doing that, I know I will win sometimes. Hopefully more often than than not. But but I get that the field is super competitive and you you have to play great um, pretty much every round now to win. 
Yeah, and let's let's touch on this weekend quick, and then we'll let you go. Well, I want to uh, I want to ask rounds. I want to I was gonna say I want to ask one question before we get into this weekend real quick regarding this year and winning. It, this is a contract year for you, as everyone is kind of mentioning. This is mm-hmm. your final, supposedly. I mean, what we've heard your final year, <laughs> your final year of the con- of your contract with Innova right now. Is there any extra yeah. pressure on you, whether internally or externally, to perform to think? Or do you feel like no matter kind of no matter how you perform, as long as it's up to, we'll say, your previous few year standards, um, that you're going to come away in the off season well well paid, we'll say. I mean, because we've seen some of the the contracts that people are getting, whether it's Paul mm. or Ricky or uh, a, a Page, Kona. I, I mean, there's we're seeing high six figures in a lot of these. It, do you foresee yeah. yourself? In that club, yeah. And where's up? your helicopter too? Yeah, uh, I don't need a helicopter. <laughs> helicopter Rick can keep his helicopters. Uh, I, want, I want to see I'll Spider Kelvin, <laughs> Spider Kelvin with like the three front, the two front wheels and the one back. I want Kelvin to roll up oh on God. a spider. <laughs> no. It seems like a Florida vehicle. Oh yeah, Florida-based vehicle. I don't, I don't <laughs> even know if it's a Florida vehicle. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, is there any pressure? I mean, are you are you concerned at all? Um, no, I'm not yeah. really concerned. I, my goals for events are no different now than they were before. Um, yeah, at some point those talks definitely have to start happening where, um, I start figuring out what I'm doing moving forward. Uh, it definitely doesn't hurt to be winning. Um, and it definitely doesn't hurt to, even when you're not winning, be close to winning. Um, cause you're still in the spotlight and uh, people are seeing you and that's good for you and uh, your sponsors. <laughs> so um, I think I'm doing a pretty good job as far as competing right now. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if I can continue on competing at the, at the level I am and I have at, you know, the beginning of this year, I, I feel pretty, pretty good about my, uh, off-season and contract negotiations. Yeah, I mean, when you're always in the conversation for one of the top four or five highest-rated players in the world, it feels like... And we also know Ricky, Paul, Chris Dickerson all have you know lengthy contracts that they're locked into. Um, Eagle, uh, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like you're the next guy to make sure... And maybe you're getting paid. Maybe. Are you going to... No one knows. <laughs> how, do, how, do, how do you... Yeah, you, how does that... Are you going to no. be doing your own contract negotiations, or are you going to let your agent, uh, no, no, Terry I Miller, mean, deal with that? I'll be a part of it, but um, I am working with uh, Beacon Sports Management. Um, they've really handled most of my uh, contract stuff. You know, really with everyone that I'm dealing with at this point, um, not just like Innova, but yeah, all my secondary sponsors as well. Um, they pretty much handle all that and they've done a, a really, a really great job. And, um, they've made my relationships, uh, easier to manage, you know, with all of my, my other sponsors, you know, Innova, Millennium, Grip, VII. So Light Factory is my retail sponsor. Mm-hmm. Hashtag ad. Yeah, we got all those in there now. Great. Now we got to flag our whole podcast. Mm-hmm. No, we're seriously glad you did get them in there. And, um, so moving into this weekend, two rounds. First, you're going to play Jonesboro, and then you'll play two rounds at Country Club, if I recall. Yep. 
you were saying you're not fully you're not fully prepped just yet. Is that a fair statement? What what do you feel like you need to do to get prepped for this weekend? Yeah, I I don't think I'm going to be fully prepped for this weekend. <laughs> okay. I rolled into town right before this podcast. They made changes to Country Club. We have an entire new course out at uh, Jones Park. So um, I have to go and play both of them tomorrow is kind of my objective. So I am waking up at the crack of dawn to play one of them and actually have some other, I think I'm going to be on Instagram live on Innova's channel sometime around lunch. I think maybe 11 ish central time. <laughs> if you want to tune into that. And then after that, I will be going to uh, play the other course just so I can get one look at both of them. And then uh, after that, I'll probably basically be going to bed because I have the first MPOT time. So, <laughs> so um, you're, you are busy and you're a little crunched for time. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely, I got a lot on my plate tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to have to find some time to eat. I don't know where that's going to be, but got to fit three meals in somehow. <laughs> Are you at all worried about, I mean, I walked Jones today. Uh, clearly, it, it's lengthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I don't, I can't make a good judgment. I, I was going to say, I feel like it's pretty straightforward, but that that's just what I looked at as I walked around. You, you don't have to stress too much about Country Club. You're familiar with the layout. I am familiar. I heard there's changes to it, though. Um, so I'd like to at least get out there at the very least and see the changes to the course layout. Um, but I definitely do need to go see uh, the Jones Supreme layout. Yeah. Or at least one time. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really have high expectations going in the week because normally I feel like I want to get multiple practice rounds in and kind of have a pretty dialed game plan. Um I feel like that's especially helpful when you're going to have kind of inclement weather, which it sounds like from what I've heard we're supposed to have. I heard some some pretty bad wind and possibly rain. So mm. um, the first two yeah, days, I, I, I don't I don't have expectations of this being the best event I play this year. <laughs> but we're going to play it, and um, it's going to be a good warm up for the real event that's in this town, which is later in the year, end of August, early September, when the World Championships returns. Uh, we'll be playing the same courses, to my knowledge, and um, this event kind of just to me is the warm up slash practice, see how the courses play tournament wise, so I can I can be ready for Worlds come you know fall. Yeah, and I think that's definitely on the minds of a lot of people, even from a production standpoint, from a live production standpoint. That was a a piece that was thrown out today. Was hey, this is also yes, it's a, an incredible event with a long standing history with all these great players and everything else. This is also from a you know our production standpoint, a, a warm up and practice for the worlds yeah. as well. And real quick, I'm, I am looking at the. I just pulled up Emporia on weather.com, showing AM thunderstorms on on Thursday. Um, and again, it's like everywhere else. Like I, I always say, I'll believe the weather when I'm in it. Is what I like to say. But That's great. It says AM showers. That's when I tee off on Thursday, and then it says PM wind and showers and thunderstorms on Friday, which is probably when you'll tee off again. I don't know. I mean, literally, <laughs> it's probably what was the temperatures? Uh, eighty 60? to uh, seventy-five on Thursday and eighty on Friday. Saturday just says partly cloudy and wind, twenty-one miles an hour. Oh, twenty-three mile an hour on Friday. Uh, a high of sixty-eight, so that's a little bit uh, cooler, and then. Beautiful on Sunday, 14 mile an hour wind, 72 degrees in most of Sunday. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Like when I tee <laughs> off, it's probably going to be like 65 degrees and raining. So 
Uh-huh. That honestly sounds awful. <laughs> sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll we'll try to, to deal with it as best we can. I actually get a get to play with my my bud Zach Mountain. Okay. Um, uh, uh, him, Chris Clement, Clemens, Chris Clemens, and, and uh, who else is on the card? Oh, Nicholas Antala. Okay. Yep, I don't. I don't. I mean, we got a pretty good card, but uh, we don't have good weather apparently. So well. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Any other obligations this week that you that you'll have? Um, as I said, I got to figure out when to feed myself tomorrow. Okay, okay, yeah. And, but I mean, once um, play gets started and and whatnot, is there anything else that you're worried about? You're gonna have stuff at the block party, you know, that kind of thing, or do you have anything else you have to do? I I don't I don't have anything else that I need to do this week. So um, I just have to figure out how to play the courses, and uh, that's that's it. That's it. That's all I got planned for the week. I'm going to learn them tomorrow and play the tournament in the next four days. Uh, where do you go after this? I don't know yet. I have some time off. I know that much. Yeah, I because... think my next event is OTB. I don't think I'm playing anything until OTB opens. So okay. I don't know if that's so, two weeks off or three weeks off. I'm not really That sure. would be two because uh, I think we finish on the whatever. Uh, and then May 8th and 9th next weekend is... Uh, Mother's Day weekend and then the 14th and 15th weekend. And then, uh, so that's Santa Cruz or, yeah, Masters Cup. Uh, the 8th and 9th, is that the Challenge at Coat Hill or I don't even know what's going on. I don't recall. There's nothing on Might UDISC. A, and then uh, the weekend after that is OTB, the 20, 20th through the 22nd. So yeah. potentially two weeks to get yourself out to California. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know exactly um, how I'm going to break up that trip. Hopefully get to see some cool stuff uh, out west, but um, I I don't know. That's probably what I'll be doing in some of my downtime this week is kind of planning how I'm going to break up that that trip out to California because I probably for the first time I kind of have a decent bit of time to actually break that that travel yeah. up. So um, yeah, I think that'll be a pretty pretty fun week and a half or two weeks to get out there, and then uh, I'm kind of I'm excited to return to Stockton. I, I enjoyed the course out there last time. Curious to see if they change anything, but um, I really enjoyed it out there. So that'll be a, a good one after this. All right, and they're calling for it. They want Kelvin Kelvin on the uh, the late night podcast. So maybe if maybe you know if you have a nice late afternoon and uh, I'm doing some shows, you're you're welcome back here. I don't know. I think- later in the week. I mean, I might, I might have all these early tea times because I'm teeing off early round one. Weather's bad. I'm not going to know the courses as well. Uh, as normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, You'll and, be ta- fine. and traditionally, really, Terry has done his like, podcast from the Bourbon Cowboy, so you're going to have to go to the Bourbon Cowboy to do the podcast with Terry. Man, that sounds wild, wild, wild. <laughs> all right, Calvin. Anything you want to say to everyone? Give, go, run through your sponsors again. Do that, and how people can support and follow you. Um, yeah, I mean, my, I like to thank my sponsors, Innova, Millennium, Flight Factory, Grip, and uh, VII. Um, you can go check out any of their websites and probably find something Calvin related. But uh, yeah, thank, thank, I'd like to thank all of them. They make this possible for me. And um, yeah, I think they did, Innova dropped some commemorative Jonesboro wind destroyers earlier today. They're I, probably already gone. Because they were. I tried to get Almost them. everything on the factory store sells out in 10 minutes. So it's too late for that. But uh, yeah, I appreciate all you guys tuning in and watching. And uh, anyone who has purchased any, any destroyers or any other Calvin gear, I also really do appreciate that. So um, 
Yeah, thank you all. You all make this possible. Is there a special Calvin whale sack? Yes, there is. Yeah, there is a Calvin whale sack. I definitely dropped the ball. Sorry, Tina. Uh, but, I got you. I got you. Um, Calvin whale sacks as well. Make sure to check there them are out. Calvin whale sacks on the whale sacks website. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let you go because I know okay. you, uh, you've got a pretty busy day tomorrow. Yep. So uh, seriously, thank you for joining. How far was the drive from Eagles Crossing to here? Uh, it was a four and a half, I okay. want to say. Yeah, it was wow. four and a half. It's a little outside of St. Louis. So, um, so yeah, four and a half. It was about five to get there from Jonesboro and then four and a half here. So Okay, so not too far out of the way then. Not too far. A couple, two and a half hour ride in maybe two. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I think I thought, it was like seven-ish to get here. Oh, from. okay. I thought I had seen nine. So no, by no, that, but no, either way. So, but. All right. Anything? I don't, I don't have anything else. Thank you for having me. All right. And, uh, Maybe I'll try to win sometime soon again, so I'll be back. <laughs> You're welcome regardless, but winning helps. I don't know. Helps. That's most, the only time I get invited to see Johnny is when I win. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. That's he not must, much of a prize either. He must he must have high standards because <laughs> you invite me even when I don't. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but those are different. But yeah, all right, pal. Thank you all. Appreciate and, it. Uh, hope to be back sometime soon. Calvin's out. All right, I'm going to move into that seat. Uh, you can myself. stay right where you can stay right where you are, Tear. Tear, why don't you stay right oh, where you okay. are? Watch us, okay. watch us. I don't know, but I, I don't like this. No, no right, you're fine. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Well, Terry, watch this. All right, all right. You can make Look an adjustment. You. Look at that. By the... Uh, it doesn't matter. Sure. Thank you, buddy. All right. So, Calvin Heimberg, uh, giving us some updates and insight tonight. Really appreciate that. Let me move this mic here, Johnny. That's probably... All right. Um, yeah. He's busy. I mean, very, very safe to say he's busy. You lost your mic. What's that? Mic cut. That's weird. Oh, that's back now. All right. Sorry about that. Is that everything all good to go? Yep. yep. Um, I'll just say I do do not envy the day he has tomorrow. Uh, That's the the issue when you win. I mean, you you have to – obviously, not the whole, you know, the – checking out the courses, but all the other obligations that you have, the end of a uh, Instagram that he's going to have to do. And, you know, being a winner in general, he got to do the skins. If he hadn't had to do the skins, he could have got here a day earlier and practiced a little bit today. And it's, let me put it this way. I'm thinking we might not get four rounds in on this tournament anyway. Yeah, I understand that. I know that it's the Midwest. It's, it's the DDO, formerly the GBO. They they've they just have a a knack for this. Like it feels. <laughs> it, I mean, it's Kansas inclement weather. It's Not Kansas they, and but inclement a, weather. <laughs> it's Kansas in April slash May. It's you know it's bound. You're we're we're bound to to you know get every few years a round at this event gets canceled. That's just how it works. You know, everyone, yeah. I think, has just come to realize that it, it has nothing to do with, you know, the tournament It has nothing to do with it's just the nature of nature. <laughs> so uh, so if we I hope we get all four rounds in because there's nothing yeah. worse for us in the control room than a, a lightning delay where we have to sit there and wait for four hours until someone makes a decision. That's the worst. Like, just make for us. Let's make the decision right away. But we'll see. So. It's going to yeah, be a good one. I mean, uh, of course, I guess maybe that's one of the advantages, and we saw this uh, unfold a couple of years ago more than once. But 
that's one of the advantages to potentially having four rounds scheduled. And so if something were to either get delayed or postponed or, or whatever the case might be, then we have the opportunity that assuming it's not Sunday where the inclement weather is, um, yeah, there could still get three rounds could get completed. And we don't want to start rumors or get too far ahead of ourselves here I do. either. But yes, keeping keeping an eye on the weather is something that's worthwhile when you're here and you're leading into the tournament. That's certainly fair to say. So, all right, Johnny. Well, why don't uh, either you could bring it up or I could, if I could press some buttons here, I might be able to bring it up too. But let's let's talk just a little bit very quickly about the rest of the MPO action at Jonesboro, and then we'll turn around and we could talk about the FPO at Jonesboro. Do you want to quickly see the uh, Matt Bell ace? Have you have you have you seen? Uh, I have seen it, but let's show it to the world. Definitely, right. this is what we heard is a twenty five thousand dollar. John Nicholson is uh, also. I think he may have been the one that recorded it. Yes, I see it's now put out there. A twenty five thousand dollar ace. There's Jordan Castro. I can't quite see who's all in there. <laughs> Whoever walked uh, up but Barsby first a moment ago was yeah. more pumped. There's Barsby, right? On, uh, that's the most of the reactions I've seen. Honestly, uh, I saw reaction. Or I saw it go in. This is I don't know if I've, I've ever seen Matt reactions. Bell without a hat on. That was the most shocking thing to me. <laughs> well, congratulations, uh, Matt Bell. That's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, what, what a what a uh, shot! What a what timing to have that shot. I mean. $25,000 is nothing to scoff at. I'm sure it'll go miles no. for his touring life. Um, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, only because it's being spammed on the board. <laughs> I was just I'll address to... it quick. Uh, I, no, I, I was just going to say, I'll just address it because I have no problem to John. I don't think that Calvin does. Not me. Other John, um, John on the board. Don't know indefinitely. Yeah, John on the board. Uh, I don't believe so. And John Van Dersen nor myself smoke weed. So uh, how this is like relevant, why you're spamming the message board. But hopefully that at least that's our most polite way to just you're good. We got you answered. All right. So simmer down for goodness sakes. Anyway, <laughs> um, so awesome. Congrats, Matt Bell. Love it. Now let's jump over to Jonesboro the remainder of the MPO action, although I know we got a really great breakdown from, uh, we got a great breakdown a moment ago from Kelvin. I was thinking about the top three, about how is him and Kevin McBath going into the fight. Like you don't scenario, then three guys tied going into this incredibly challenging par four, three guys tied going into the final hole. It was just, it was absolutely craziness to watch so breakdown what else do we see we'll say in the top 10 johnny uh in the top 10 uh chris dickerson no surprise coming in fourth uh just couldn't quite you know he shot a 10 down that final round uh wait am i looking at the final round yes i am looking at the final he shot a 10 down that final round to kind of boost himself up there gannon burr who is continuing to prove that he's not just a flash in the pan young kid uh, shot a nine under on that final round to get to 22 for fifth place. Matty O, Joel Freeman, Alden Harris, as well as Mr. Daddy himself, not Emmer Daddy, 
Lazat daddy. <laughs> Simon Lazat had a phenomenal second round that jumped him up at one point into the lead, although he had gone through a lot more holes than some other people. <coughs> and he unfortunately had, he didn't have the best final round. Um, it was only a six down. It wasn't enough to keep him in contention to win. He was already a few strokes behind the, the, uh, the leaders, but a, a respectable showing from Simon, which we haven't seen in quite a few months, if not year or two for Simon. He's had his mind in other places. So a very good showing for Simon Lazat, uh, Ricky Wysocki, Thomas Gilbert and Ezra Aderhold all pushing up there into the top 10. So congratulations to everybody there. This it's funny because Jonesboro particularly feels like it favors your big throwers. Like I know a lot of our courses, it, it never hurts to be able to throw far, but Jonesboro seems like it's one of those courses where it definitely advantages you to throw far. So, yeah. And I, you know, and, and that's kind of what I was thinking about in, in talking to Calvin about it. He, somebody that throws, we'll just say your average, your average golfers, not your average top tier professionals, but your average golfer that's throwing three ish to maybe 400 and somewhere in between that you're not, obviously you're not scoring nearly as well unless you make literally every putt inside the circle, then, then you, or maybe you're perfect from circle too, but it just, I feel like that course would be far less enjoyable. And that's because I, I say this all the time. The course isn't designed for 300 foot throwers. If you go out there and say, well, there's just not a lot of scoring opportunities. That's, yeah. Not, not if, not if that's where your skill sets are. And, you know, I think, I think there's even a sign isn't there a sign at the beginning of that course? Like we've seen that a number of others. I think of Texas last year. I think we saw that same, a similar sign. That's like, this is a high level course designed for high level players and professionals. This, this is not a walk in the park. This isn't a city, a city park course. So uh, yeah, very, very cool to see so many skills on display, you know, shot shaping, not quite at a premium as we, you know, found clearly over at Jackson, um, the rough is just very different, you know, longer grass. Uh, there's certainly a number of trees to still get caught up in, but you're not throwing the, quite the tunnel shots, of course, that you found. Now you still have gaps to hit mm -hmm. and you obviously have to get to certain landing zones, but you know, not the requirement that we saw from WR Jackson for sure. Uh, the big news in well, the other, the other big news in MPO was that final round Eagle McMahon dropping out yeah due to a shoulder injury it sounds like he had said that his shoulder had popped out or dislocated and um, i don't exactly know you know <laughs> what what the details are of that but it sounds like he's going to take some a, a break some more I, I the way it sounds i i have no faith that we'll see eagle for the, maybe for the rest of the year but maybe not till worlds if 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 he can get his body together. Yeah. I mean, he, he posted <clears throat> almost immediately after withdrawing. And then he posted again saying, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just saying, Hey guys, I've got a plan in place. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for the support. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go, you know, see some professionals and, and continue with my treatment plan. So we wish him the best. Uh, you know, I think he literally just maybe even made a post today too. 
that I that I started to read and then got sidetracked from um, something about having to withdraw and yeah, pain painful to watch. And I know he was in the booth with me, and I know that it was a different, you know, slightly different scenario, but not, um, you know. Nate Doss, when when he withdrew from the first and only tournament he's ever had to withdraw from, was at the Memorial a number of years ago. And to see somebody who competes at that level and can win on any given weekend, and then to see them have to physically remove themselves, walk off of the course for any injury, you know, anything injury related, is just it's really painful to to witness that and. Yeah, I just I can't I can't imagine, especially when you're talking about guys that could could be or should be or possibly are winning an event. Now, Eagle obviously had his his struggles, but man, terrible to see. Uh, And let's just hope that at some point he has a full a full recovery. And that may or may not ever happen. I mean, you know, we always know with any injury or set of injuries, he may never be back to 100 percent or he may only be. 85% 85% of what he was a year or two ago. I mean, that's just, unfortunately, that's a possibility. So, and th- that's what's, see. that's what, there's two things. One, that's what scares me about, yeah, not just Eagle, but some of our other players um, that are throwing forehand. We've heard Ricky is having issues, you know, throwing forehand, Paul having issues throwing forehand, um, Eagle, yeah. Simon, like these are all people that throw with f- like extreme power. It makes yep. me. It makes you have to wonder if someone like, and I'll just throw them out there, Gannon Burr, is looking at this and going, mm, maybe I'll only throw forehands when I absolutely need to, as opposed to, uh, you know, I can work on that. You know, James Conrad isn't doesn't seem to be having any elbow or shoulder issues, uh, so it, it's it it makes me scared for some of the future of our players. With as long as these courses are getting and the power that they're throwing with that there is going to be a reckoning possibly in the next five to 10 years of these power forehand throwers. And it also makes yeah, me think I mean, how amazing it is for Scott Stokely, who has still, who still throws a power forehand as far as any of these guys, but it seems like has never once had an, a shoulder or elbow issue. Yeah. The, I think I, I agree with you. It's incredible that he can do that. And, and two, we don't know for sure that he's never had a shoulder or elbow issue. And three, maybe most importantly, he also took a decade or so off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, clearly he was throwing hard. He was, you know, leading that that field and leading in that uh, throw when he was playing. And, and I understand he could have, you know, gotten injured then. But also taking, I'm sure, a decade or more off didn't hurt. But it's still impressive what he's doing here at the age of 50-something. That's insane. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. I thought now, I heard him say that he didn't. He's never had an injury like that, and he can teach sure. others to throw oh, forehand yeah, yeah. some different way so that they don't get injuries as well. So if 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 you're into that, please by all means go check out Stokely's uh, um, clinics and such. Maybe he can shed yeah. some light on that. Um, That's nothing you're getting I, here. <laughs> I think the big point is also that. It's crazy to think our game has evolved very much from when you and I, you know, got introduced to it 25 years ago. 
no, har- hardly anyone except for Scott Stokely. Of course, people have always thrown forehand, but let's be real. Scott Stokely was like the main forehand guy that you know everyone looked up to. And then the the game very much involved into evolved into you needing it, like you absolutely needing it. With the rare exception of James Conrad winning worlds for the most part, and and Kale Laviska, you know, doing what he's done for the most part. You've needed that forehand backhand combo, at least a serviceable forehand. And you look at Ricky's and Paul's and and everyone else that has a really good one. Of course, they're they're even more often they're winning. And now, I don't want like you just said. I don't think people are going to second guess and be like, "Oh well, I'm not going to throw a forehand, you know, ever again." Look at the problems it's causing. But you have to wonder if players in general. You said Gannon Burr in general. Um just reassess how much they want to lean on it. But it's it's probably hard. A, a hole sets up for a forehand. You look at hole eight at at Jonesboro, that place to elevated pin, it bends from left to right, and there's already a left to right crosswind. Just popping out a little forehand and letting it pitch right to the basket seems like the no-brainer. I mean, because it is if you've got the shot. The question is, do you, you know, or hole six, do you do you forego what feels like the much easier shot because you're just trying not to throw forehands? I mean, that's God. You and I will never be faced with that question, Johnny, because we can't throw one for our life depended on it. If our life depended on it, but it is a interesting uh, you know consideration for sure. It certainly is. Uh, let's talk about someone who can throw pretty good forehands. Kristen Tatar is a phenomenal Ooh, forehander, cool. and she crushed not just forehands but a field an entire field of fbo players she handily won shooting the hot round all three rounds kristen tatar shoots 24 under par she shot an eight a six and a 10 under par not that order no, not there. She's, right? It was actually it was backwards. I, ten, I read ten six eight. Ten six eight. I yeah. read them backwards. I was clicking on the because I was round. thinking in my head. She shot a ten, a six, and an eight. So when you just said that, I was like, "No, I was sound right." I was but going. Yes, all I was three going were backwards. there. Ten six and eight. Yep. Is which which were the hottest rounds tied or yeah. outright the hottest mm-hmm. round each of the three rounds, which is incredible. She, she uh, j- just a phenomenal showing. I don't know what to say other than she was much like Calvin. Everyone kind of felt she was due. She has been up in that podium area for a very long time. And now both of them get their win. I, I don't know what to say about this particularly other than she dominated. There was no question on the final day that she was going to walk away with it by about the fourth hole. Everyone was kind of like, yeah, she's still she's still got it dialed. Don't sweat it because we have seen uh, the FPO field can get a little volatile and we've seen five, six strokes be given up any particular round um, that wasn't happening with Tatar. But you could just tell after like I think it was the fourth hole that you're like, yeah, she still looks like she's got it. Nobody else is going to make a move on this particular course. Uh, Some of the more surprising things that I think we saw was second place was Missy Gannon. On a course that we just said seems to favor a little bit more of a distance thrower. Missy Gannon is not known for that. Missy Gannon is known for her putting. Missy, I mean, Missy can probably pump out 350 feet when she needs to, but that's not her forte. She's a, she's a 300 to 325 foot down the fairway uh, player and then put it in the bucket 
when she needs to putt. So she took second place here, uh, shooting a 14 under par. Third place, we see Ella Hansen and Kat Merch, both big throwers in the FPO field. Uh, both, you know, this is Ella's probably her best showing in quite a while. Maybe even, I, I think she took a third last year, the year before. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'd have to go back and look, and I'm too uh, lazy. So, yeah, I mean, her her other big performance that really jumps out is her performance at the U.S. Women's Nationals last year. Uh, I believe she was runner up, or maybe she missed her last putt to take third uh, at U.S. Women's last year. And and at that point, no one was catching Paige Pierce, no matter you know how many <laughs> how many capes or uh, or any other superpowers that you might have. No one was going to catch Paige Pierce there. So Ella Hansen kind of had a a breakout performance specifically at the u.s women's last year yeah i feel like missy like, is yeah. the is the odd woman out because again Kristen tatar throws far ella hansen throws far cat merch throws far fifth place holland hanley crushes a disc um katrina allen throws relatively far Paige pierce throws pretty far your top one two three four five six seven women six of the seven of them might be our furthest throwing women in the sport other than jen allen Jen Allen probably has you there. Uh, And it's so, you know, no arguments as far as what the course loves. So congratulations, honestly, to Missy Gannon. I know congratulations to Kat or Kristen Tatar, but congratulations, Missy Gannon on, on bucking the trend. So that's nice to see. I mean, I'm not exactly calling her a short arm. Does she, does she not stack up quite as well against some of those other women? Yes. Uh, She doesn't throw necessarily as far as some of them or, but any any of the I, six I, other I ones I mentioned. I don't think of her as a short arm either. No, I don't think she she has enough distance for FPO. Like she's throwing about the same as probably Valerie Mondahano, Elisa Fakis, uh, uh, Alexis Mondahano, Sarah Hokum, Stacy Ronsley. The, she she probably matches up pretty evenly with all of them. But again, the the other women that were in those top ones have fifty to seventy five feet minimum on Missy when they want to. And, and so that's, again, that's uh, I, I don't consider her a short thrower. I consider her an accurate thrower and a great putter, which is hopefully, and I haven't looked at the stats uh, as probably what helped her particularly get to the top, the consistent drive and a good putt. So um, I did just rattle yeah, off a couple so- of the other top 10, like I said, Valerie Mondahano continuing her, her great play this season, Lisa Fakis, as always, is a solid contender. Haley King uh, coming out and shooting in 10th place, tied with Alexis Mondahano. So congratulations to your top 10 there. Yeah, and, um, you know, some someone's asking on the board, where has Heather Young been? Uh, Heather made a, a, a public post a couple weeks ago now just saying she's going to pull herself off of the tour for a little while. Uh, I think she, you know, wants to reevaluate exactly where she is, what she's doing, how she's going about it. Uh, but she did make a, a public posting. I'm going to say about two weeks ago now. Excuse me, uh, stating just that that she was she was stepping uh, off of the tour. I was going to say away or off, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's the update there. And then um, I th- I think the other big question out of all of this, and and maybe some of these questions will arise at the you know, dynamic disopen press conference tomorrow. But, you know, Haley King, you would think she would have a, a distinct advantage at that course as well. Obviously throws far and then has kind of 
like the ultimate long range putting, you know, more so than most of the women that beat her in that she just seems to have more success or looks from circle two or, or good bids from circle two. And it, she's been a little bit stagnant this year as well. Well, and she's I still, I, still relatively fresh, so to speak on tour. She skipped the first half of the tour. Haley King did. She came back at uh, the champions cup. This is really her second event on tour. I don't I, I'm not concerned about Haley King. I think in the next event or two, you'll probably see her pop up into that podium area. Um, and especially now that we see a lot of the uh, the Europeans kind of not that they were not that they were taking up podium spots other than Tatar. But we see Kristen Tatar stepping away from the tour for a few weeks to go home and uh, get some much needed rest. So that might maybe that might bump everybody up a, a, a few spots. So, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see what uh, what will go down. But congrats! I think obviously big takeaways. Kristen Tatar just dominant performance. Awesome, phenomenal. You, you have to you have to think that when she she's now not that I ever doubted it, but she's just really put a stamp on it and prove to the world like hey not only am i good but i can be on a whole nother level and that's clearly where she was for the weekend was on another level to win by that much and to be that consistent and to battle the elements like there was just so little wavering in her or her game and that's got to be scary and and to sure she hasn't picked up a bunch of wins so far this year but that doesn't mean she's not just ramping up. I mean, she rattled off like four wins in in five attempts after Worlds last year. So look out, FPL is is all you can really say to it. So pretty cool. Uh, congrats to her. Congrats to Calvin. Uh, and uh, obviously, by and large, at least from my perspective in Ben this year, which is the first time I wasn't on the ground, uh, congrats to Jonesboro for putting on yet another incredible event. It seems like that just continues to grow and the love for it and the course and the spectators, it all just continues to be trending in, in, you know, always in a nice, I was going to say a nice slow upward climb in, in terms of getting better and better every single time. And their floor was already pretty high. So their climb just continues. Yeah. Tatar averaged like a thousand and eight or something for this event. So yeah, that makes that uh yeah makes perfect sense uh and real quick bradley says are you happy you were not on the ground um you know i I, i'll say this a bunch of times i love doing both tasks i really i enjoy being on site i enjoy being there and in any given weekend with the players interviewing the players you know press conference seeing them afterwards like i enjoy all of that and I enjoy giving the, you know, being there for the champions interviews and just all of the stuff that goes with being on site and then hopefully providing some insights from the sidelines. And I also enjoy being in the booth. And I I I almost wish I had a really hardcore preference one way or another, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, sometimes it's a little more event specific than others. I'll say this. This was the first time I wasn't in Jonesboro, but I know that course so well because the previous four or five or six years I've been on site and been walking the course. So I felt like 
I was so comfortable being in the booth. Now, usually I know the courses anyway, but I was it was almost another level of comfort being in the booth this weekend because I've just I intimately know that course so well. So um yeah, we'll see. Tim Courts asks, um curious how the new Supreme course is going to play. And Mo had said that he thought that the course was going to get shredded. I said, I, it'll probably be like every other course on tour. You're going to see a couple players hit double digits. You'll see a whole bunch of players probably at negative seven. And then a majority of the field averages around negative three. Like that just feels like how every course plays these days. They're all difficult, but you, you see one or two players always hit double digits in most of these places. And it's really hard to, make a tough course. We all thought WR Jackson was a heavily wooded, very difficult course. And we saw players popping off double digits there without, you know, yeah. Leaving some on the I course. Mean, and it is it's heavily wooded and very difficult. It, it, they just still found a way to shred everybody it. these days is so good that someone yeah. is going to shoot your double digit round on virtually any course you hand them. You know, maybe, maybe the exception is Northwood black, but that's, I, you know that's that's an extremely difficult, grueling, long, awful course to shoot production on. Yeah, so <laughs> it. Um, I I I can't project project or predict either one of them as to what we'll see. The winds can be up, and there's a ton of OB out there. I ultimately walked the entire course today, and I, I'm so thankful I did. And I say that because I was expecting a little mashup of of other holes that i've seen and i mean there's a few pins that are in the same spot but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily came from the same spot in terms of getting to it and yeah there's a lot of property let's put it this way there's a lot of property there that people have never seen before unless you've played an event on jones west or you've been out here before there's a lot of space and property that have not been in play before and so that's going to be kind of cool. I have to say, I think my favorite hole is, it's one of the shorter ones at 300 and some feet, 316 maybe, I think it is as well. I feel like maybe maybe it's intentionally the exact same distance as the hole at the country club, hole number 16. It's right around that distance and it, it looks almost identical. I feel like they were going for, hey, let's recreate this similar island type green shot uh, out there at Jones as they did at Country Club, and uh, it's uncanny how much they're alike. Now it's you have a much bigger backstop, and you can throw almost anywhere over, but it still has a very similar look and feel when you're standing in front of it. So I thought that was really cool. Um, it's cool to have a signature yeah. style, a signature hole for your event, not just one hole that you can match as a signature, but it's the signature hole on each course. I mean that's. I think that's kind of awesome and a, a nice symmetry between the two of courses. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how it plays out. I I didn't look at the pars quite honestly. I know when I got to hole two, and I see it's a thousand feet. I'm like, Ugh. it's a par two. Uh, then I got uh, hole three. Three is this really cool looking hole that includes a water carry or or a layup. And then I was walking down the fairway of four, which also feels like it's like 900 feet or something like that. And I was walking down the fairway with Maddie O because I just kind of zipped through the course, but I, I ran into a bunch of golfers in doing so. And Maddie O, we're walking down hole number four. It's maybe another six, seven, eight, nine hundred feet, whatever it is, seven hundred feet. It's like, man, 
I think I've had enough. <laughs> like, dude, you're on the fourth hole. Like, you have a long way to go. And hole one's not even that long. It's only 291 feet. Yeah. He's like. That could be good or bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're. And again, I haven't seen the course yet. I'm excited to see it. Eric McCabe designed the course between the two Jones, uh, East and West. It's now the Supreme. Uh, if, if it if it's long and it doesn't do anything for you, I could see at hole four you're like, all right, dude, I've 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 had it here. Or I could see it if it's long and difficult. You're like, all right, man, I've had it here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't need any more of this butt whooping. I don't well, know. We're it, we're, uh, we're gonna find out though. It's, I'm excited to see yeah, this new. Jones I, I am course. excited to see how it plays out, and then you know if if what adjustments do or don't get made for worlds. But I'm I'm definitely excited to see someone saying on the board that Emac had maybe said that a uh, ten under. I'm guessing if that's what he I saw a negative ten pop up. I'm guessing that's what maybe he's thinking is the going to be the hot round. I I know. The event has put out whole flyovers with Emac probably commentating them all. I didn't watch them. I would have had I not gone out and walked the course myself, but I may even zip through those as well online yet again uh, just to get any under uh, any other understanding or perspective that he might have had. But yeah, do we we'll, bounce? Uh, we'll see the schedule. I, I haven't forgive me. I haven't looked at the schedule. Do we bounce between the two courses? Do we go Jones? No. It, uh, I believe, uh, I think is as I had said to Calvin, and I'm thinking he doesn't know much more than I do, uh, but I believe it's Jones, Jones, Country Club, oh. Country Club. Well, then so I'm going to two at Jones and then two at Country Club. I'm going to amend my my statement saying someone's going to hit double digits because if if and we're going to say if here the weather sticks to what it looks like it's going to do. If it's really that windy and rainy on that course, I would you might be looking at a six or a seven as the best score out there. That could yeah, be. A, and so we'll, we'll see. Knows? But again, that's all weather dependent. It could be a 13. We, who knows? I know Terry. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to, uh, to just see how it overall, it plays overall. This is obviously mm-hmm. the stiffest, most competitive field that's taken to the course. And so I, I think there'll be some data and some other numbers and things to pull from, uh, when we're you know either down one or two rounds or through one or two rounds of it, so um, I, I wanted to quickly touch on uh, somebody asked about it anyway, but uh, quickly touch on yeah, it was a lot of fun. I did have the opportunity to play the new the newest course, the newest two hole course over at Bevel. They have mounted two baskets in the back uh, in a designated area, and then Val and her mom and a number of others. Uh, actually constructed an 18-hole loop. So they're pavers or markers, and then it's all on U-Disc, and you go out, and it's a putting course. And so you kind of you know, do a figure eight. Thank you, Ryan. You do a figure eight as you play through around one basket, and then you kind of swing over, and then you start working your way through the second basket and playing all 18 of the shots, and you play it out like regular golf. You stand there at the paver, you putt, uh, and then obviously you got to make your putt and, and continue on from there. And then you count up your strokes. We played in um, mob golf, I think you would call it. I think there was like eight or so of us that played on Sunday night. And it was a lot of fun. And just a big shout out to Nate and Val. Every time I travel out there, they're adding more to Bevel. 
And so having this putting course, I mean, clearly the entire bar is, is disc golf themed, light fixtures, tables have, you know, world champions and Hall of Famers on them. And it's all adorned with all of this incredible, you know, disc golf stuff. And you can buy discs. They sell a ton of discs out of there. A lot of people come there shopping for discs. But to now officially, and they have putting nights and putting leagues, but now that anyone at any time uh, can go out there during during hours and you know entirely and putt all day long. There's some people that I think were out there for like six to eight hours. I heard during one of the one of the days uh, and just constantly playing this little fun putting course. So big shout out to them. They're just doing incredible work uh, along with their entire staff and crew. It was awesome to see it. That's good. I I look forward to the day I can get out there and check out the place. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's truly incredible. All right, Johnny, do we have any other news before we uh, shut things down and uh, maybe uh, jump into an after show? Do we have any other pressing news here from uh, from this week? No, not at all. Okay, I've replaced you and your spot over here with some uh, venting, so it's gonna just sitting in your spot right here, Terry. I hope you don't mind. What is over there? Uh, it's now some venting, some HVAC vents so sorry oh, you've, you've, i'm gonna build a terry robot with some of these i'm gonna call it my terry <laughs> my terry bot and he's just gonna sit here yep. right right next to me uh good call uh a couple of things i will quickly touch on uh the pro panel is tomorrow night i was just trying to pull up the website dynamic and real quick as i'm looking at it not very clearly uh but tomorrow night i believe is the pro panel i think they're uh, that that looks like an old virtual players meeting, or maybe it's this year's. I'm not sure. They have the Die Academy going on again this year. I know that's up and running. There's a million flex starts, which I'm I'm genuinely frustrated with myself that I didn't think to bring some discs because either today or tomorrow I might have actually forced myself to go out and find one of the flex starts to to quickly play in, and I didn't. I just flat out you- forgot. Didn't even think about it. Um, do yeah, you really so. need your own discs? Let's be honest, Terry. If you went out to one of those shorter courses, you could probably just say, "Give me something overstable. Give me a decent putter, and 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 probably and maybe a, a mid range, and you could go out and maybe more than I just you. I hate I hate playing in anything that's semi serious or semi truly competitive uh, and not having. Could I grab some discs? Yeah, I probably could, but um, I do. I did. I didn't. Per- yeah, I don't personally. Have mine, so. I would do it anyway, but we'll we'll see what tomorrow looks like schedule wise for me. Um, maybe there's a chance that I get out and play a little golf. Probably not, but there's a chance. You never Just know. Jump on with Calvin. I, I Show will him say, the course. you know, you're in Kansas. When I drove from Wichita, which was by the way the new smart move that I don't want to tell everybody to do, but if you're if you're just going off pure efficiency. What almost everyone does is you fly into Kansas City um, in the past. That's what I've always – well, if I if I fly, it's into Kansas City. This time, coming from Bend, I went into Wichita. It's about the same distance, but it is stress-free. So to fly into the Wichita airport, which I'll say is like the size of the Madison airport in Wisconsin, it's pretty small – very quickly got my car very easily jetted over here yesterday. It was awesome. But my point is when you know you're in Kansas or in the area, when from the highway, from the interstate, I think I saw two different courses 
back near Wichita. This is from the main interstate. And then as you're pulling into Emporia, you see uh, the Jones course. Um, I think you can see the country club. My my hotel, just outside my hotel window, there is a permanently installed basket, I believe, outside of one of the hotel windows. Not super close to me, thankfully. But there's a permanently installed basket that's just outside of the hotel room. And everywhere you look in Emporia, there's a basket. If there's green space, I'd like to say if there's green space and it's not a yard, but even some of the yards out here have baskets in them. But if there's green space, there's probably a basket at it. I, I just, you know, I know it's their their tagline, you know, Emporia knows disc golf. They're not effing around. They seriously do. It's <laughs> everywhere. So it's it's just such a cool environment to come into this this town and um, to come here and uh, to just be, uh, yeah, to, to, to have disc golf completely supportive and in, in engulfing you and in, in, uh, embracing you. It's awesome. Uh, I'll talk about, I just thought of something. We'll talk about it in the after show real quick. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to just say, again, congrats, Calvin. Who joined us? Thank you, Calvin, for for joining a little earlier. Coming straight from the skins match. Congrats to Kristen Tatar. Congrats to Jonesboro uh, and Brad and the crew and everyone else and all the hard workers on DGN and DGPT uh, and everyone else that made it all happen. And then uh, with all that, looking forward to what we're going to get here at the Dynamic Dis Open this week. It's, I expect nothing but an awesome time with plenty of extracurriculars and then largely a world's warm up as so many people are treating it, Calvin and others treating it as just that. Uh, that's very exciting as well to know we're going to be back here in the end of August and beginning of September. So I'm looking at what, four, almost almost exactly four months, we'll be back. So take your notes now. If you're playing fantasy, if you're if you're going to Vegas and placing bets, make sure you're paying attention to what's going on this weekend. That might make you a little bit smarter for a few months from now. Or, or, or you won't, you won't. I don't know. Um, and before, as we close out, I want to just quickly say, of course, thank you to the couple of people that jumped in with a little bit of uh, super chats, but it's it's been a wild ride and we didn't have anything special specifically or planned or, or whatever for tonight, but it's been a wild ride to know that 400 <laughs> different times wow. we've sat down usually together. Um, some nights I've been gone, some nights Johnny's been gone, but 400 different times we've sat down and talked disc golf with you guys. And, uh, the more I think about it, the more that just sounds utterly crazy and ridiculous <laughs> knowing that an average show plus after show, they have to push about three hours on average and to think about the support and the community that we have live and then the thousands and thousands of people that download and listen uh, in an audio format, the Patreon supporters, the giveaways, the the people that have supported us in, in terms of sponsorships. Uh, we don't really actively promote or go after them, but some people insist on supporting us. I just I can't say it enough. It's been crazy. I mean, and and if tonight was four hundred, that means only three hundred and ninety of them have we been a little late to open the show. So uh, thank you, 
thank you guys so much for everything. I don't, Johnny, you got anything to add to that? No, just thank you to everybody. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it really is amazing. And to think that I would tell people that I did a disc golf podcast years ago and they're like, is there really enough to talk about every week? (laughs) (laughs) Even people inside of the disc golf community would say that like, really? A a whole three hours, huh? Disc golf. And I'll tell you what, almost every show we end. And I think, Oh, there was that one more thing I wanted to talk about. So it is an, it's an honor that people do sit and listen to us for this amount of time. And I can't thank everybody that Terry had said enough. Yeah. It's uh, to see so many others jump in and, and we know we're not everybody's either favorite and, or we're not everyone's cup of tea. And that's that honestly, it's taken a while to get there, but that's totally okay too. Uh, every podcast, every combo probably, you know, hits a little different as the kids say, and that's that's fine. We just we know that we're here for you to give you usually some fun, laid back interviews with our so many of our top performers, but also so many other influential people that might not necessarily be taking it down on the leaderboard that given weekend, but are still doing wildly impressive things. And you know, just thinking back to you play a couple of weeks ago with Zoe and Dustin and Mark, it's it's uh it's what we love to do is share that love and spread it around and and get all these insights and hopefully uh occasionally we break some amazing news and have some exclusive information for you and uh it's the more i think about it now the more i really do think 400 nights and episodes of doing that <laughs> seems just wildly bizarre but you guys have been along with us and we can't say it enough and our live chat is part of what makes it so much fun i feel like uh, week in and week out is having that interactivity with you guys and you guys spilling more ideas and information to us that, you know, usually lengthens the show even more. So, uh, I, I yeah, for the hundredth time, thank you guys so much. So we're going to close it out. We want to say uh, thanks to Kelvin for joining. Again, congrats to everybody. Looking forward to an incredible DDO week. My channel the disc golf guy might continue with some nightly shows we'll have to see how the extracurriculars go and what everyone's schedules look like but you just might find some nightly shows uh over on the disc golf guy channel i make no promises just like here i make no promises if they're there what time they'll be at or how consistent they'll be but um they may happen so we'll keep you posted on that for johnny and myself terry miller the disc golf guy Smashbox podcast number 400 officially in the books, but you know it wouldn't be complete without an after show. So we'll see you there. You step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.